Hi, this is Becky. And Patricia. We are former college teammates and believe that life is a team sport. Our goal is to encourage and inspire strong women, families, and communities using lessons learned from sport. Welcome to the team room. All right. Well, welcome back to the team room. I'm Patricia here with Becky, and this is Life as a Team Sport. We have been going through the series Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise, and we are continuing that through the beginning of November and excited to bring you more great topic on um, on that subject. We've interviewed several people on health as far as physical health. We've talked a little bit about finances, and today we're going to be specifically speaking about mental health. We have a guest on here, my friend Michelle. I met her when she was the sports psychologist at University of Maryland. She is now the sports psychologist for the Detroit Lions, which I think could probably be its own podcast, but um, I'm super excited to welcome Michelle to the show. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. And uh, Becky, how are you doing today? Oh, it's a great day. It's good to be here. I'm excited to meet Michelle. Good. All right. Well, before we dive into the topic of mental health, because I feel like that can go several different directions, um, we want to hear something from your highlight reel. So what are you loving right now? Um, well, uh, just a couple of weeks ago for my birthday, my husband surprised me with a Peloton and I'd have to say that is definitely on my highlight reel right now. Um, I have only done a couple rides, but I also like open to the whole new world of, they have so many other things besides the bike part of it, which I had no idea and doing some oh. ab exercises and I, I have a lot to explore. So I'm looking forward to getting to explore the rest of it too. My, my favorite so part of it is I don't have to go anywhere. I just walk into the room next to me and and I got my workout. So no gym membership required. Yeah. Hey, Peloton. You can sponsor me. (laughs) You're a Pelotoner. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, so tell me what else there is because I don't Peloton. So I just assume it's a bike as well. Well, so I mean, have me back maybe in three months and I can tell you more details about it. But when, when, when I got it set up, they walked me through all these features. And so one is still on the bike, but you can pick different rides, like in different countries, different cities, and there's no instructor. You just like ride the path at your own pace, which is oh. kind of cool. Um, and you get to see, and like the one I did last week was in Australia and there were like people walking on the path next to me and I passed them on my bike. Um, but then there's like body weight workouts, there's weight workouts, there's, you know, core workouts. And then I I'm excited to try this out. I haven't yet. I had a cold last week. So I gave myself a little space to recover from that, but there's part of it where there's an app on your phone and they will guide you on a run. So like you go outside and they tell you, okay, now pick up the pace or slow down or let's like warm up, ease into it. And I'm, wow. I'm really excited to do that because I know I love running, but I get so bored. So I think having someone <laughs> yell at me while I do, it'll help. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. It'll yeah. be like sports practices. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and like I said, I'll tell you more in a couple months. Okay. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear that. Yeah, I had, I had no idea. So do the people say anything to you as you ride by them in Australia? No, no. Okay. I wondered if they had an accent, you know. Well, you know, to be perfectly honest, I chose that one because I wanted to watch TV while I was biking. So I turned the sound down and I watched a TV show. Um, because I, again, I had a little bit of a cold. And I wasn't, I, 
I get so competitive. And so when I do the Peloton rides where I can see where I stack up against the 50,000 other people who have done this ride, I get so competitive. And I just, I wasn't in a space where I could do that last week. I just went for a ride and watched a show. I appreciate that. Know your, know your limits, know yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Important. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. That's so good. Well, I feel like that leads us right into our topic for today. And so, I mean, the topic of mental health has been a hot topic for a lot of people for the last couple of years, obviously. Um, But as a sports psychologist, it is your every day. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, the, the things that you have learned along the way. But first, kind of give us a little bit about your background. Tell us a little about your family and maybe even your history with sports. Sure. Um, well, I guess, I don't know where to start. I, I, I played sports all growing up. I still very much think about myself as an athlete. Um, although sometimes you look at my day-to-day life and you might be like, where, where, where are you an athlete? But okay. Um, I, I, I like to say I was a generalist rather than a specialist. I did all the sports. Um, I think, you know, in high school I was on the, well, I did soccer every year and basketball every year in high school. I swam year round in the spring. I mixed it up one year. I did track one year. I did the cross one year. I did softball. And then in college, I started playing a little bit of volleyball. I did club basketball in college and um, just always loved it. I coached swimming all growing up um, and just like very involved in sport. And um, my brother, um, he is a huge athlete, someone I definitely admire. He um, won worlds as a junior in triathlon. And so there there was a lot of sport and athleticism in the family. And so um, now I'm trying to pass that along to my kids, my love for sport, uh, more successfully with one than the other. But um, I, I, I now have a six-year-old and an almost four-year-old, two daughters. And um, I mean, they love being active, keeping me on my toes. Um, and also my husband was a collegiate swimmer. So we, we got we got a lot of sport in the family. And so, yeah, I never, I never knew about this profession. And I took my first psych class in college, loved it, didn't take anything else after that. Didn't know about psychology, didn't know about the field, took a class, never did anything else. And then when I learned that I could combine my love for sport with my love for psychology, I was like, home run, like the, <laughs> no turning back. This is what I want to do. It was awesome. So, and I love it. I love it every day. That's so cool. How many years of school does it take to become a sports psychologist? So to become a licensed psychologist, um, you got to do your four years undergrad, and then you have to go to grad school to get either a PhD or a PsyD. Um, Both of those are doctoral degrees that lead to licensure as a psychologist. And so typically if you're doing it fast, it's going to take five years post undergrad. Um, mostly four years of school and then a year of internship in a lot of states. Then you do another year for postdoctoral um, residency and then you are eligible to be licensed. So there's a lot of school involved. Yeah. Wow. A lot of school involved. So I imagine you're not just doing sports psychology when you're doing that. You're getting a doctorate in psychology and then choosing an emphasis, right? So interestingly, a lot of sports psychology programs actually don't set you up to be a psychologist, which is something I don't think a lot of people know. It's more the research 
track and teaching track when you're going into like a sports psychology PhD program. And so I knew I wanted to be a psychologist and specialize and work with athletes. So I got my PhD in clinical psychology, um, which makes me license eligible to be a psychologist. And then I sought out training experiences in sport. And so my first one was actually at the Naval Academy. And so um, working there, both sport and performance. So I worked with the midshipmen um, to pass their physical readiness test and, and then with some of the athletes as well. Wow. Okay. That's really cool. Actually, I did not know that. And good advice, I suppose, for anyone that's interested in that field to know exactly what you're aiming for before you start. Yeah. I I could talk for like hours about different routes and sports psychology, but there's a bunch of different paths and, and it's a really growing field. Um, I think the, um, people are really recognizing the need to, um, have people who specialize in working with athletes kind of understand their culture, understand their world, um, understand the demands and the stressors put on them, um, while also understanding their human beings with their own mental health concerns and needs. Yeah. So as you work with athletes, are you working with individuals? Are you working with teams? I know now, you know, you're working with the Detroit lions. And so I imagine you do both team and individual stuff. Yes. Yes. To all the above. I, I, you know, one of the things I love about this field is I, I get to do a lot of different things. And I think that goes along with being a generalist and not a specialist kind of in life too. I I love doing individual work. I love doing team talks and presentations and outreaches and groups and, and being just being around and developing relationships with the athletes and staff, going to practices, being in the training room. Um, So kind of all of those are parts of what my daily life looks like. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. So you spend all this time talking to other people about their problems and their issues. So talk to us a little bit. I want to hear both. What are some of the generalities that you see? What are some of the topics that you cover a lot with other people? And then as we get further into the interview, I want to know what you do to take care of yourself since you're listening to everyone else. First talk to us about what you're seeing. So I think just like starting really generally, I think one of the things that I see across the board is this idea that mental health is a negative, Mm. right? Like a lot of times we hear the term mental health and we automatically jump to mental illness, right? We think that when we say mental health, there's something wrong. And I, I, I really like to emphasize that's not true. Mental health is a good thing, just like physical health is a good thing. We all have mental health. We all want to be mentally healthy, um, but sometimes it just gets confused with this idea that when we say mental health, there's something wrong. Um, So I really like to talk about that spectrum. We've got mental health, um, like high levels of healthiness on one side. We have mental illness on the other side. And most of us kind of shift along the spectrum throughout our lives right? There's some times where we are pretty mentally healthy and sometimes where we might be struggling a bit more. Um, and just the emphasis that, um, also seeking support for mental health doesn't have to mean there's something wrong. It could just mean that you want to be better. You want to improve. We all have different ways we can improve our physical health and there's different ways we can improve our mental health too. Yeah, that's true. I mean, some, sometimes we buy a Peloton because we want to be healthier, right? And that doesn't mean that there was anything wrong in the first place. We just want to be healthier. Yeah, I wasn't didn't get it to combat a physical ailment, which you might that might be a solution. But um, yeah, I just wanted to be healthier, right? And be healthier in an easier fashion too. Yeah. yeah, no, that's good, and I think that's a good way to equate that to mental health, and mm-hmm. not that there be a stigma around yeah. it. 
And so, so that's like kind of one of the things that I first like to always talk about. Um, but then some of the other things that I find myself talking about a lot um, with whether it be friends or clients or anything is, is a big piece is one of the ways that we can be more mentally healthy is by being nice to ourselves, being kind to ourselves, right? And I think there's, um, it's really easy to fall into the trap of negative self-talk, putting ourselves down, always thinking what we should do or what we didn't do. I, I know for me, a big one's mom guilt, right? Like I, I, I want to be great at my job. I want to be great at being a mom. I, I think, I don't think the list could ever stop on all of the wonderful things I could do for my kids. There's no way I could do all of them, but just kind of, we always put ourselves down um, or, or we can fall into that trap. We don't always do it, but it's easy to fall into that trap. And so I like to think about not only just this positive self-talk, but being kind to yourself. And I talk a lot about what would you tell a friend, right? And then also if sometimes the way we, if you get stuck in a negative spiral, if you said the things you're saying to yourself, to your friends, would you have friends? Like, I don't know. Right. I haven't seen Becky saying, "Mm -mm, no. (laughs) And, and so I like to think about being your own best friend, right. In those moments, not only like, what would a friend say to you or what would you say to a friend, but how can you be a friend to yourself? Like, how can we be kind to ourselves? That's good. Yeah. That's definitely good. That's something that I feel like I could ask myself. And it's not even the moments where you're necessarily being negative. I mean, maybe it is, but it could be the moments where you're saying, I can't, I'm not good. Yeah. enough." Yeah. Yeah. Cause I hear athletes say that a lot too. It's like, well, I can't, or I'm not as good as such and mm-hmm. such, right. Because then they're comparing themselves to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's good. That's good. Um, anything else that you see a lot of in your, in your practice? Yes. Especially in work with athletes is this desire to always give, 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 do more. Um, I see so many people in my office who are like, oh my gosh, like I, you know, I'm having a really hard time. I have so much going on or I'm injured and I can't do all of these things. And I'm like, oh, well, like who's supporting you? <laughs> and, and they look at me with this, like, what do you mean? who's supporting me. I I support me. I I do everything. And so, and I I see this with athletes. I I see this in myself as trying to be a mom. I see this in women in general, just like we want to be tough. We want to be able to do it all. And this idea of asking for help we see as a weakness instead of a skill. Mm -hmm. And I really like to develop the ability to ask for help as a skill. Um, because again, if I, if I flip it around, I, I would say like 99% of the time, if I'm talking to someone I say, well, if someone came to you asking you to support, to support them in this, would you help them? Absolutely. Would you think they were weak? Not a chance. Would you be like put out or feel like they were being a burden? No, I, I would help them because they're my friend. Okay. So let's, let's think about that. If, but if you did it, you'd be a burden. If you did it, you'd be weak. And, and so kind of just also thinking about that idea of asking for help and learning how to do that is really a skill we can build. Um, and figuring out when we need that is something that's really important. Yeah, that's great. I know last week, Bailey was talking about her battle with bulimia. And she was talking about how much when she finally was able to verbalize it to someone, and ask for that help, how, how much it helped her to be able to move forward, having that community then around her. Even sometimes just saying it out loud. It's not even that someone's doing anything for you, except now you just aren't holding it in. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah. Those are some of the things that like, just the very common um, things. And again, this isn't just in the, you know, room when I'm doing therapy, it's with friends, colleagues, just all the time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can think of times where I've needed those reminders, right? I mean, I think we all need those reminders and especially in these last couple of years, I was going to say months, but it's been almost two years now with the pandemic and all the isolation. Have you seen new things emerge as that has continued on and on and on that also you feel like you address all the time? No, I think one of the things in working with like high level athletes that is a little bit unique is although their lives have changed, they still fairly consistently from earlier on than maybe the rest of the population had access to their sport. And so thinking about like the collegiate and the professional level, um, yes, things were certainly shut down, but they came back, I think a lot quicker than a lot of other areas of life. Um, and so it's kind of how we have these constant restrictions on us, um, and not being able to take a step outside and figure out not having access to ways to refuel. Right. I, I talk a lot about, um, there's a lot in life that drains us, or maybe empties our tank. And especially again, along the lines of if we're prone to give, 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 we can get drained really quickly. Um, And finding those things that refuel us can be challenging. And I think it's even more challenging right now in the area of restrictions and limitations, right? In the era of that. And so um, I think it's really important to be able to figure out what those refueling strategies are. And also remembering that like oxygen mask that we talk about on airplanes, right? You have to put your oxygen mask on first before you put on others. Um, really checking, are we doing that? Um, and, and maybe if we're not doing it first, like, are we doing it at all? Like, maybe it might be too big of a jump to say, let's do it first. Let's refuel ourselves first. But like, are we doing it at all? Yeah. Sure. Oh. Yeah. That's really good. Um, I, I well, always see the image of like, you're, you're helping your kids or your parents or whoever get their oxygen mask on. And then you just don't, don't do it. You're just like, oh, I'll, I'll do me like out. Or <laughs> you pass out or you're just like, I can't, I don't have time. I, I just spend all my time doing all the other things. And Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things I was thinking about too, in that era where professional sports were coming back and collegiate sports were coming back, but no one else was really doing anything yet was that it put those people under a microscope. And even so- more so than usual. Right, exactly. Um, and so have you seen any mental health tendencies with that? I know I had a lot of conversations with coaches and athletes about that particular thing and feeling like they're more under a microscope than normal. Well, and even um, potentially more under a microscope, but even the pressure of if we get shut down, like if if you do something outside of the scope of these very rigid rules, we'll get shut down. And then not only what are the consequences for you, but what are the consequences for everyone else? Right. right? You feel the pressure. Uh, the pressure. Yeah, absolutely. And this idea of, yes, kind of everyone's relying on you as this outlet. Right. So tell us how you have been able to take care of yourself through all of this, because it sounds like you had a job change and you are spending a lot of time talking to other people about their problems and issues. And, you know, I have to imagine, and just having known you a little bit, 
people tell you about their problems and issues, even when they don't have an appointment. (laughs) So (laughs) you're constantly hearing other people's things, which you're so good at, but where do you take time for yourself? So I think this is where kind of this idea of, you know, practice what you preach is, it's really great in theory. And, and I try to do that. And sometimes I look at my life and I'm like, man, I I can spend all day talking with people about this very same thing that I'm thinking about or dealing with or stressing out about. And I know exactly how to manage it um, when I have my psychologist hat on, or even when I have my friend hat on. And, And then I'm like sitting there struggling with it in my own life. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So there's a piece where trying to do the things that I know are helpful um, and just implement it on my own. And a big piece of that is really being mindful, just being present in whatever moment I'm in. And so trying to catch myself when I start thinking about all of the to-do list items or the shoulds and saying, okay, like, what am I doing right now? And I, I don't know about you all, um, but I know I, I'll find myself like trying to play with my kids and then I'll be like, oh, I have to do this. And I'll pull out my phone and I'll put it with the intent of just making a note of something I need to do later. And then I check my email and then I'm, oh my gosh, now I'm in this email and I'm responding to an email. And then it's like, okay, uh, I just need to send the mommy just needs to send this one message. And, and then 15 minutes later, I don't remember what game I was playing with them. And so I think a big piece for me is trying to slow it down a little bit and be present. Um, one thing for me is being outside and so going outside with the girls, whether it's just like sitting outside, watching them play, playing a game on the playground, uh, whatever it might be, just trying to be present. And then when I'm at work, trying to be present there. Mm-hmm. And so really having that, um, whatever I'm doing right now. And then if a thought comes up of something I do need to do, maybe taking a note of it on a piece of paper where you can't. <laughs> And get, get down the rabbit hole or um, also recognizing sometimes I have thoughts or worries about things that need to get done and checking in, like, is worrying about this right now, helping solve the worry, right? And just really trying to remind myself that now, if sitting here and thinking very diligently about the 15 to do items I have tomorrow, when I get back to Maryland, is that like, if that's helping me get through those items, cool. Like let's, let's, let's run with it. But most of the time, it's not. Most of the time, it's just worry that's using space and energy that I could be, you know, focused on whatever the task is on hand, at hand. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. An aspirational thing that I'm trying to do and very much aspirational in nature right now is just not like spend two hours without my phone, just leave it inside when I go outside. And I, I, I'm at the phase where I'm like, but what if I want to take a picture or what if someone calls me or right? Like, and so I, I'm making these reasons that I'm not going to waste time on my phone, but what if I need it with me? And um, <laughs> so that's, that's a goal of mine. That's an aspiration I have. No, I think goal. that's a really good aspiration. And that is a really difficult thing to do. You know, you put it down for 15 minutes and you find yourself like, hold on, wait, I was, what am I missing? I'm missing something. And it's your phone. I feel like I would be more comfortable leaving the house without my car than leaving (laughs) my house without my phone. Right. In a situation where I needed to drive somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) Very true. That's so true. Yeah. No, I, I like that. And I feel like maybe I might start with 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Start, start small and then build up. I just started today. This is another thing. I'm starting to read today. I'm doing it. And I just started reading this book called Mini Habits. 
And that's exactly what it is. It's this idea that, okay, if I want to not have my phone for two hours a day, maybe I start with not having it for 15 minutes. And that that's really, I mean, if I can't spend 15 minutes away from my home, like, oof, I mean, my phone, I, I got I got bigger concerns. So, or maybe it's just, I don't take it with me when I eat breakfast or, you know, sure. those mini habits, something small. Mm, that's good. That reminds me of the book, Atomic Habits, Love where they that. have you associate something with your habit. So yes. if breakfast is associated with my habit to not be on my phone, then I can put the two together and I will remember. That's how I'm going to start building the habit of reading. Um, since I travel for work and I'm on a plane twice a week, every time I sit down in my plane seat, I'm going to read 15 pages before okay. I do anything else. Okay. I, I got it from Atomic Habits and now I'm learning to build mini habits. And eventually, I mean, I'm just going to have all the amazing habits in place. I like it. I like it. I'm all about that stuff. It's great. And, you know, it's one thing to read the book and say, yes, I'm going to do it. It's another, quite another thing to actually do it. So kudos to you for having the book in your bag, because I feel like that's step one. I feel like I might get on the plane and be like, oh, I didn't bring a book. Darn it. Next time. Next time. Here I come Friday Night Lights, because that's the show I'm binging right now. I missed it first time around. (laughs) Interesting. All right. That's cool. That's cool. No, I like it. I think those are all really good things um, and important for us to remember to take care of ourselves and find those things that are going to help bring us life as we take care of everybody else. Because as moms, that happens 24-7, right? I mean, there's no going home from that job. No. Well, and and so often I find myself taking you know, doing all of the things and thinking about all the things my kids need and getting them all prepared and having six extra jackets along with a t-shirt in case it gets hot. And then I walk outside and I'm wearing a tank top and it's like 27 degrees out. And I'm like, oh, they're so prepared, but here I am not ready at all. Yeah, I know. Well, you know what? That does change as they get older. Then you still walk out without a jacket on, but they're wearing your jacket. (laughs) <laughs> oh goody this is exciting <laughs> hopefully I saw a few more years before that happens <laughs> I walked out the house the other day and my daughter we we went somewhere and she got hot she took her jacket off and I was like is that my shirt <laughs> oh I can believe that she's your size <laughs> exactly yeah so but it's still it's still the need for me to make sure that I have a jacket myself or an umbrella or whatever that thing is. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. And we're going to put show notes to, uh, to help people go back and be able to reference this stuff, as well as a link to the book that you mentioned. Um, Do you have any other maybe books or podcasts or other places that people can go to start thinking through this process, maybe people haven't really thought about self-care for themselves or their own mental health. So do you have any resources that you can recommend? Um, Well, you mentioned Atomic Habits already. Love that book. I am also a huge fan of Brene Brown. She has a lot of good books, podcasts, everything out there. I think she's a great resource to listen to. So I might start with those. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. I just read through um, Dare to Lead last year. I'm I'm working on that one right now too. And so mini habits, easy read, dare to lead a little bit more like 
I think you got You can't be tired when you're reading it. I think you need to be in like a alert state to kind of take that in. And you need a pen in hand. I mean, that's the way I underline a lot of stuff in that book. I also, I quote unquote read, meaning I listen to on audible, a lot of books. And that was one that I couldn't, I couldn't listen to it. I couldn't get through it because there was too much stuff that I was like, Oh, I want to remember that later. So I just bought the book and highlighted a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I like, I like having it in my hands too, with a highlighter and a pen and yes. one and the other. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And we would love before we let you go to hear something from your blooper reel. All right. Blooper reel. I, I feel like there's so many of these. Um, and in the moment, I probably every day I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't believe that just happened. But um, I, I feel like this is a blooper reel from my daughter um, recently, my three-year-old. Um, in preschool, they're learning about each other's families. And so they came home with a worksheet to fill out about, um, to learn about each other's families. Questions like, what are some of your traditions? What do you eat as a family? And as I was reading through it, I was like, Ooh, we should come up with some traditions and like have more sit-down meals together. Like we got to get you some answers to these questions. But um, I, I actually wasn't the one filling it out um, with her. My mom was there doing it with her and she took a snapshot of it and sent it to me. And um, one of the questions, one of the first questions was what languages do your family speak? And um, my daughter answered regular. And, and I, my mom had also written down regular. And I was like, mom, like she said regular, but maybe you could put English. And she's like, oh, I did. And then she asked me what I wrote. I told her it was English. And she said, erase it. She's like, we speak regular. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was laughing so hard. I was crying. And I was like, I can't wait for the teachers to read this. And I think this is probably a learning um, opportunity. We should talk about how we do speak English. We, We don't speak regular. We speak English. And Lots of people speak different languages and we could learn those languages too. Maybe, maybe later in life, Spanish is going to feel regular if you become fluent. <laughs> but I was just, I was just cracking up. I was like, man, I guess we just haven't, haven't talked about it. And she's learning Spanish. She's learning other languages, but I don't know. I just thought it was so funny. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Well, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, that's right? true. <laughs> and as a toddler, there's a lot on that list. And so you just mm-hmm. assume that... <laughs> this is regular, right? Everyone thinks that their normal is normal. That's, that's very true. That's very true. (laughs) That's really cute though. I love it. Awesome. Well, is there one last thing that we'd like to do is to pass the ball and that would be an opportunity for you to shout out a woman in life who has inspired you. So is there a woman you would like to pass the ball to? Well, I, I think I already started talking about her just briefly in the blooper reel. Um, my mom, you know, right now she's mom, she's Yaya, which is what we call grandma. And um, I, I don't know if this happens to everyone, but I know when I became a mom, I was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. Thank you, mom, for all of the things you did. I'm sorry for just, you know, existing as a teenager, probably. <laughs> and, and for not sleeping as a child. I'm sorry for all of the things that kids do. Um, and I, you know, I just, I, I've always looked up and respected her, but now being a mom too, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like if I can be half the mom you have been and, and give half as much to my kids as you've given to me and are now giving to my kids, I, I would definitely count that as, that as a success. So um, definitely, definitely my mom, both as my mom and as the grandma to my daughters. So, oh, that's a cute name too. I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, it wasn't the plan. We were going for grandma. We're going for grandma and grandpa. Mm -hmm. And my oldest started calling her Yaya and we were like, yep, yep, that's it. And started calling my dad Bobo. And so instead of grandma and grandpa, we got Yaya and Bobo and and we're good. It's good. That's adorable. I love it. Do your parents (laughs) like that? They do. Well, so my dad's name is Bo. So that's a little bit, a little bit more in line and you know, she could say Bo, she couldn't say grandpa. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was great because it was given by the granddaughter. I think if I had gone to my mom and been like, mom, we're gonna call you Yaya. I I don't know. Maybe she would have loved that too, but (laughs) being deemed Yaya by the, by her first granddaughter, I think. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Oh, very cool. Well, thanks again for coming on the show and for sharing all of your wisdom with us and just helping to break the stigma of, of mental health and seeing it as a necessary part of life, a way to get even healthier and not necessarily something where you have to acknowledge that there's a problem or that you're sick. It's just, Hey, I, I want to get better in this area because often as our mind goes, we go. And so recognizing that and taking steps to improve that, I think is really important. So having an expert come on and and give us some tips is definitely a useful thing. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Absolutely. Well, you have been listening to Life is a Team Sport. We are so glad that you decided to join us in the team room today with Michelle Garvin. And Michelle, is there a place that um, people can go online to either follow you or uh, maybe a social media thing that you recommend to people that's good for mental health? Okay. To follow me? No. Uh, Maybe one day social media is not, maybe that's something I do for self-care. Social media is not, not my thing. And, um, being that, I don't know, I'll get back to you. Okay. So there's an app that I know some of the athletes use at Maryland. Had you said apps, I think I would have gotten there. Yes. Um, love the calm app. Um, and I, I think it's a really great app. One of the reasons I really like it is because I think there's so many different things you can do on it. We can, um, do, uh, meditation, relaxation exercises. There's mind body connection exercises, and you can do it as short as there's this thing called the breathe bubble that I love on it. Um, it's just a circle on the screen and it gets bigger when it tells you to breathe in and it gets smaller when it tells you to breathe out and you can do three breaths and you're done. And that's it. Um, the other thing I love on it are the sleep stories. Um, they're essentially adult bedtime stories, um, and, and they have kid bedtime stories too. So one for me, I use them and I don't, I don't know. Sometimes when I can't fall asleep, I'm like, I need to go to sleep. I have so much time. I don't need to put a sleep story on. I don't know why I delay it. I put it on, I fall asleep. Um, but also on those nights where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I don't know if I have a bedtime story in me you know, who does the column app, Thomas, the tank engine sounding great tonight. And so, <laughs> so for a lot of reasons, love the column app. Um, also just now getting into headspace too. Um, and so I can't speak as much to it cause I haven't explored it as much, but I think a lot of the same concepts exist. So really a great way to focus on some mindfulness, get some relaxation exercises going and to build habits. Cause you can start with really, really short ones too. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. So for as much as we are trying to take breaks from our phones, we also want to be able to use our phones for positive things. So absolutely, I appreciate that. We're so thankful that you could join us here tonight and never forget, 
Life is a team sport and you are never alone. Thank you.